0: Listener supported. WNYC Studios.
1: From WNYC Studios, I'm Brian Lehrer. This is my daily politics podcast. It's Friday, October 28th. Does the United States need a new constitution? There's a right-wing movement led by Steve Bannon and others to force a constitutional convention. But there are also people on the left who think the one we have isn't up to these times. Let's start with an example of that. This is Ellie Mistal, justice correspondent for The Nation, progressive publication, on this program earlier this year for his book, Allow Me to Retort, A Black Guy's Guide to the Constitution after reminding us that the. US Constitution was written originally to enshrine slavery and when only white males could vote and with very unequal representation in Congress which reminded him of another country and ha- and how it reformed its constitution
0: let's look at South Africa when Nelson when Mandela was freed and elected president and they, they tried to overcome their apartheid pra- past what did they do did they just stick some amendments on their Afrikaans apartheid constitution? Be like, okay, now we're good. Here's, here's a new paint job where everything's no. South Africa took their racist constitution, burned it, threw it in the trash, and started again. They had a whole new constitutional convention with a whole new with with citizens brought from all walks of, of South African life.
1: So there's Ellie Mistal on the show in March and last December. CUNY law professor Julia Hernandez was here in conjunction with an exhibition at the Queen's Museum called Proposal for a 28th Amendment. Is it possible to amend an unequal system? So Proposal for an Amendment, the question, is it possible to amend an unequal system? Uh, at all. Uh, it's posed as a question. And she also cited the very tainted origins of our constitution, same ones as Mastal talked about, and also cited South Africa, but with even more specifics of what their new constitution includes.
2: Many scholars and, uh, and commentators look to South Africa's constitution. Um, it was developed in the context of years of, of social political struggle Um, It guarantees specific socioeconomic rights that the United States Constitution does not guarantee, um, such as the right to housing, the right to health care, to reproductive decisions. Um, It specifically bans torture, cruel and inhumane treatment, um, detention without trial. Uh, It specifies that the constitutional court has an expanded number – in comparison to the United States Supreme Court – an expanded number of justices. Um, limited terms.
1: CUNY law professor Julia Hernandez on this show last December on ways a new U.S. constitution might learn from South Africa's new constitution to be more just. And remember, that whole exhibit at the Queen's Museum was posed as a question. Is it possible to amend an unequal system? The implication, of course, is maybe not. So those are some voices on the left publicly entertaining the idea of a new United States constitution. But the real action on this issue is on the political right. Steve Bannon and others are promoting the idea of what's called a convention of the states. Now, the current Constitution allows for this if enough states get on board, enough state legislatures, and the structure would seem to favor right-wing amendments. Here is former Republican Senator Rick Santorum on Steve Bannon's show War Room just last month.
0: Now's a good time because the country is divided, but the state legislatures of this country are not really. 31 of the 50 states right now are controlled by Republicans. Remember, this is a process to, to uh, propose amendments to the Constitution outside of Washington's control. Nothing Washington has nothing to do with this. This is the state legislatures. And so 31 are controlled by Republicans. Minnesota has one house. We're gonna flip Minnesota this year, that'll be 32. We'll flip Virginia next year, that'll be 33. If we can flip one more state this year, we'll have the 34 states necessary that if all Republicans vote for this Convention of States resolution, we will actually have a Convention of States in a very short period. So this isn't a long, off thing. This is something that can happen and happen very, very quickly.
1: Former Republican Senator from Pennsylvania, Rick Sandoram, on Steve Bannon's show last month, we're going to play a few more clips of that because proponents of this idea Want a convention of the states to lock the federal government out of various areas of policy. That's a core tenet that they're aiming for. A leader of the movement, Mark Meckler, who was also a founder of the Tea Party movement, said on Bannon's show that they would try to ban the federal government from having anything to do with health care or energy or the environment. Senator Santorum gave another example.
0: To limit the jurisdiction of the federal government. We could put specific curbs on the federal government should not participate in in, uh, in primary and secondary education, as an example.
1: And why is Santorum so confident that a constitutional convention would favor right of center and not left of center rules? Listen to why.
0: 34 of the 50 states, each state, because it's a sovereign entity at a convention of states, gets one vote, which means the 34 of the 50 delegations will be controlled by Republicans because the Repub- 34 Re- uh, Republican state legislatures are going to have to pass this thing.
1: Boom. No proportional representation. One vote per state. Wyoming, with barely a half a million people, would get the same one vote as California with its 40 million. So let's talk about this with a former colleague of Rick Santorum's, former Democratic senator, Russ Feingold. He represented Wisconsin in the Senate from 1993 to 2011. We also mentioned him yesterday. Some of you may remember in connection with the famous McCain-Feingold campaign finance law, which the Supreme Court largely disabled in its Citizens United ruling in 2010. That was yesterday's democracy conversation. Russ Feingold is co-author of a new book now, called The Constitution in Jeopardy, an unprecedented effort to rewrite our fundamental law and what we can do about it. Senator Feingold, thanks for coming on, and welcome back to WNYC. It's
2: great to be on, Brian. Good morning, and uh, thank you for taking up this topic. We think it's very important.
1: Can we start with a structure here before we get to the politics or the specific policies that a new constitution might contain? This is about Article 5 of the current constitution, and the ways that it can be amended, right?
2: That's right. Uh, The book that Peter Prindival and I have written is called The Constitution in Jeopardy, and it's focused on two different jeopardies that you've already alluded to. One is that the far right, led by people like Rick Santorum, are coming up with a phony notion that conventions can be controlled by one vote per state, which is not in the Constitution and is merely something they're asserting so they can get a conservative domination of this country minority conservative rule of our country and frankly gut our constitution but the other jeopardy that we write about in the book you've talked about it's so hard to amend the u.s constitution it has many founding failures including the the type of things that ellie Mustaw was talking about and uh, it is the hardest constitution in the world to amend because of the two-thirds requirement for both houses and and the difficulty of having a fair convention so I think what would have to happen in order to have serious modifications to the Constitution, like getting rid of the Electoral College or establishing a right to vote, is we believe you'd probably have to have an amendment to change Article 5, to change that provision that provides for amendments so that it was not too easy, but certainly not as almost extremely difficult as it it is now.
1: Huh. So you would start by trying to change Article 5 of the Constitution, which says how to amend the Constitution. But let me key on something else that you just said there, because I didn't realize this was an issue. Uh, Santorum seemed to present it as this is what the Constitution says. It's It's a lock that each state would only get one vote at a constitutional convention with the obvious you know, limitations there for real proportional representation for that being a democratic process. If Wyoming gets the same one vote as California with all its people, et cetera, um, you're saying it's not clear? Would that wind up in court if uh, they tried to go that way?
2: It's more than not clear. It's it's a completely wrong assertion that has no basis in the language of the Constitution. The Constitution simply says that two-thirds of the state's can apply for a convention or proposing amendments. It doesn't say anything about the states getting to have one vote per state. In fact, it's Congress that would call the convention. So in our book, Peter Printable and I do not uh, begin with the idea of amending article five. We begin with trying to stop this effort by the right to completely distort and reimagine article five into something it was never intended to be. Our constitution begins with the words, we the people, not we the states. And the idea that they claim that somehow they can just have state legislatures choose these delegates and that each state gets one vote is completely unjustified. And the problem is if things go a certain way in the election in a few days, the House and the Senate might just go ahead and say, well, we think there's enough petitions here. We're going to call this and they may purport to make the rules exactly the way Senator Santorum says. Will a court intervene on this, as you asked? It seems very problematic because there really is no authority in the Constitution uh, for the Supreme Court to intervene. So, yes, this is a Steve Bannon fantasy. Create a constitutional crisis uh, with regard to a constitutional convention. This is exactly what they're trying to do. And the first thing is to stop that before you can even be realistic about trying to amend the Constitution to fix Article 5, which needs to be done.
1: So what you're imagining is if the Republicans take control of both the House and the Senate, after the election ends next week, um, that they could, by a simple majority vote in each house, if there was a a convention of the states, set the rules. The Republican Congress could set the rules so that it would be one state, one vote. Is that what you're saying?
2: Yeah, they would try to. And and by the way, again, this is not a convention of the states. That is just a term that they made up that has absolutely no foundation in, in the Constitution. But we don't have to sort of wonder whether they might try to do this. Texas Congressman Jody Arrington has already filed a resolution a couple of months ago that says, uh, look, uh, there are enough states that have applied for this already, which isn't true if you are counting appropriately. uh, So let's just uh, call the convention. We're long overdue. So all they have, you got to keep in mind, this is a a body where 130 people don't even uh, vote to say that Biden won the election. They could take control. And in January, uh, they can try to do this in the House, as you say, by majority vote. In the Senate, they might have to work around that filibuster rule, but I have a feeling wow. they'd be happy to undo the filibuster for this. Uh, so, yes, we, we have a, what might be called a clear and present danger. Santorum's saying we're going we're gonna to do it soon. And uh, Peter Prindable and I are trying to, to get the warning out to people that this could be
1: coming. And it's pretty interesting when you bring up the filibuster. Uh, people may not realize that the filibuster requires a 60 60- vote majority in the Senate to do most things, but you can undo the filibuster with just 51 votes. You can end right. the 60-vote rule forever with a vote of just 51 senators or 50 senators plus the vice president to break the tie, um, um, just like that. That's what yeah, or Democrats have wanted. Or they could just, yeah, just
2: do it for this issue. You know, They could just say, well, we're just going to do it for this, for this constitutional convention.
1: Right, which has been another debate that the Democrats have been mm-hmm. having among themselves, right? Should we just suspend the filibuster for a few really important things like voting rights, um, but they don't have Senator Manchin or Senator, Sin- Senator Sinema from their own party on board to do that, so they don't have the 51 votes to do it right now. Uh, but the politics of that, we're going off on a tangent here a little bit from having a new constitution, but- The politics of that are if the Republicans take 51 seat control of the Senate after next week, They might see it in their interest now that they would have the majority to to end the filibuster. And then the role of the parties would flip. Then it would be then it would be you Democrats who would be saying, hey, wait, but, uh, you know, to keep the Senate the cooling saucer that it was supposed to be, we should have a 60 vote filibuster. Do you think that's what would happen? Do you support the filibuster now? And would you support it if Republicans take control?
2: I think that the filibuster should be modified for certain key issues that would improve our democracy, like such as fixing the right to vote and, and protecting a woman's right to choose. Uh, whether or not it should be completely eliminated, I think is a separate question. But I think at a minimum, it is is not should be not be allowed to harm our democracy. Nor should it be eliminated to gut our Constitution. So I certainly would say that if this came up the way we just described that uh, those in opposition to what they're trying to do with this convention should go ahead and say, wait a minute, you should have to get 60 votes for this. But I have a feeling they would go ahead and do it anyway. And that's the problem here, as you've described. They are running roughshod over the law. They are running roughshod over the understanding of the founders of this country. And they are hoping to return our country to what is, was essentially the feckless articles of confederation gutting the power of the federal government to be able to protect us from things like a COVID from climate change problems, and to be able to have a very weakened country is what they want to do.
1: You heard all those clips, Senator Feingold, that we played at the beginning from the left and the right. Do you see a desire and some energy on both the left and the right to go for a Constitution 2.0?
2: Well, the people on the right will will claim that they're not really going for a Constitution 2.0. They'll say they're just trying to uh, return the Constitution to what it should be which of course is not the case at all. What they're trying to do is return it uh, to something that would be very weak, like the Articles of Confederation, and really gut the power of the federal government to to do what it needs to do to make this really a, a country, a United States. Uh, they are pretty active. Uh, we, we saw a, a clip of what, an anti list Cheney rally during the campaign in Wyoming, where almost every person in the audience had a call for a constitutional convention pin on. I would say the activism on the left on this is is much less. Um, I rarely hear people talking about having an entirely new constitution, Mm -hmm. but there are people that think there ought to be a constitutional convention under Mm -hmm. Article Five Mm -hmm. uh, that would make uh, significant changes. And uh, our, our argument, of course, is that is something that probably would make sense at the right time, and we don't oppose the idea of a convention, But you have to change the way it's set up. Otherwise, what you're going to have is this one state, one vote system, and you'll get nothing like what the advocates on the left want. In fact, you'll get the opposite. So it would be foolish to play into their hands at this time. We need to change the way we amend the Constitution in this country.
1: You heard the things the movement on the right is aiming for. No more federal involvement in the environment, no more federal involvement in health care, no more federal involvement in education as articles of the Constitution, if they get their way. I guess no involvement in health care would end Medicare, for example. I mean, that would never get through 38 state legislatures. I think that's the number that would need to approve it. Correct me if I'm wrong. Would
2: it? that, that is not the question, whether or not 38 states would vote to get rid of Medicare. That's not how it would look. What they would do is pass an amendment enabling Congress and saying that Congress is not allowed to move in certain general areas. So they're going to use subtle language and they'll apply it and they'll have it interpreted in a way that will make it impossible to have Medicare and to privatize Medicare. That's how they'll go about it. So people will be voting on this sort of general language about restricting the federal government, and then they'll manipulate the language.
1: And you heard the examples from the CUNY law professor Hernandez there about what South Africa was able to get into its post-apartheid constitution um, that progressives in this country would like, a right to housing, a right to health care, a right to reproductive choice, things that are bedrock progressive principles in this country, but that we don't have. Why not aim for the moon and go along with the idea of a convention of the states or whatever they want to call it? Maybe those principles would be popular enough to win the day if they open things up. You Democrats always say public opinion is on your side on most progressive ideas. Abortion rights, universal background checks on guns, strong Medicare and Obamacare, government involvement in affordable housing. The public opinion polls seem to support that. So maybe it's too safe a strategy to take Santorum's analysis of who would win what as the bottom line. What do you think? Well, that's
2: clearly not what would happen. It's not going to be the people, the people that are responding to those polls who are going to control the convention under Santorum's system. What it will be is gerrymandered legislatures appointing delegates from the state legislature who are far right wingers, and they will control the convention. So the things that that you're saying it would be nice, we could shoot the moon and try to get it, you won't get any of them because the people under their system that the the Congress may authorize uh, would vote completely the opposite on those issues. And uh, frankly, it's just silly to think that somehow you'd be able to get uh, people to vote for the kind of things that progressives believe in uh, in the context of a completely gerrymandered delegation. It just won't
1: happen, it'll be the opposite. Here's a question for you from a listener via Twitter on what we described as the agenda of the right in changing the Constitution to take the federal government structurally out of, to bar it uh, constitutionally from having anything to do with health care or energy or the environment or education. Uh, Listener writes, careful what you wish for, red states. They are the net beneficiaries of federal government largesse. New York State, for one, would be better off if we didn't have to support them with our federal tax dollars. And a uh, uh, balanced budget amendment is, is another thing um, that Rick Santora mentioned as one of the things they would go for. So so what do you think? Would the red states' people ultimately resist that kind of change Because the math that this listener suggests is correct, isn't it? It tends to be the blue states, which are the wealthier states, which actually wind up subsidizing the red states, which are the poorer states.
2: Well, there's a lot of truth to that. And and one of the things that, you know, they actually have had mock conventions preparing for this at great length. And one of the three or four top things that they try to do is uh, want to do is eliminate the income tax. So if they eliminate the federal income tax and make it unconstitutional, yes, a lot of those states, the Alabamas and Mississippi and others will lose uh, a lot of federal revenue that is critical uh, to their uh, their society because they don't uh, raise much money at the state level. This would create a great difficulty for them. And, uh, you know, it's something that it would be nice if people were aware of. But remember, uh, Brian, it's not the people of the states who might be affected who are going to make this decision. They want to engineer this. So it really is just the state legislatures. So the way ratification works is if these amendments come out of a convention, the Congress gets to decide whether or not they should be uh, ratified by conventions in the states or by state legislatures. And I guarantee you a conservative Congress will say, no, no, we're going to go back to the state legislatures. In other words, the very same people who have put this right wing document together. And so uh, the people of the state may think it's terrible but their state legislature may may do the opposite. This is exactly what's happened in my state of Wisconsin, where we have a progressive governor, an attorney general, a lieutenant governor, and yet because of of gerrymandering, our legislature is as far right as you can get, and actually they have passed resolutions to call for this kind of convention.
1: Former Wisconsin Senator Russ Feingold, now president of the American Constitution Center and author of the new book, The Constitution in Jeopardy, an unprecedented effort to rewrite our fundamental law and what we can do about it. Senator, thanks so much for giving us some time today. It
2: was great being on, Brian. Thank you very much.